0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Investors' Roundtable. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. You can find me on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. And we have a very special panel for you all today. You know, a couple returning guests uh, starting, uh, I'm going to go counterclockwise here. We got Kevin Shea at The Good Prick on Twitter, but he is far from a good prick. He's the best prick. What's going on, Kevin?
1: Not much, (laughs) Bobby. I don't maintain it, as you know.
0: <laughs> and and we're, I'm, I'm trying to make it happen.
1: I know, this, I know. This I know.
0: is what we continue to do. Um, we also have Adrian Day from Adrian Day Asset Management. Adrian, it's been a while. It's great to have you back. Thank you. All right. And uh, without further ado, this man needs no introduction. I'm incredibly honored and stoked that he is here today. And uh, it, to me, he's a legend. So some of you may not know who he is yet, but uh, as I said, he's a legend to me my dad, Shelly Craft, founder of SNN. Shelly, uh, how's it going? Show off your, your, you know, your quarantine
2: due. That's all right, Bob. I won't show off my ponytail. Uh, I would get too many negative comments on the floor. So want to stay positive. Not, not here. You won't get any bad negative comments here, that's for sure. I think everyone's going to be
0: like, man, I, I want that. I think we're trying to inspire revolution here. All right, I'll turn around once. All right. Turn around once. Let's see. Oh, that's beautiful. Look at that. So nicely wrapped too. <laughs> all right. Well, dad, <laughs> so dad, this is your first time on here, you know, as, as traditionally we do, you know, give us a, and I know this might be tough, but if possible, give us your, your 30 second wrap on your background, and then maybe give
2: your take on, on what you've been seeing in, in the market since uh, all this really came down. So imagine a guy going to Wall Street in 1984 uh, and his first attempt at being a stockbroker. They handed me a month old pink sheets and said, here's your telephone with push buttons on it and you could make as many calls as you want and you could receive as many calls as you want. So I said, but there's only two buttons and the other one's red for hold. They said, go figure it out. Next thing I know, the room gets filled up with two more newbies like myself. No instruction, no training. There I go. I'm floundering at best. And the next thing I knew, I became the largest producer of that firm. I pay, I, I traded in penny stocks, which are now called, you know, OTC listed companies or micro cap, whatever. But at the end of the day, I've been in this world of small companies since the day I walked onto Wall Street.
3: You know, can I just interrupt? That's really interesting. A lot of your, Robert, maybe even you, but a lot of your listeners, I'm sure, will be really astonished to to discover that the pink sheets actually were sheets and they were mailed out. (laughs) So when you say they were a month old, that's not a surprise and I'm sure Kevin knows that.
2: Adrian, they were hand delivered to my office and I got the traders old sheets because I just was able, I had some inside connections to manage it, but <laughs> there was the only quotes available, right? You know, other than Quotron with, you know, New York listed stocks, we didn't have anything else. The, the I'll tell you one. if there's anything that's changed that for the better, it's the uh, absolute disclosure The ability for transparency and all of the digital age has certainly changed the markets for the better. No question about it. Very good. So, uh,
0: well, hey, Kevin, I mean, Adrian asked you a question. I mean, you probably do, do, you know, we're not trying to age everybody here, but do you remember getting those sheets
1: too? No, I wasn't involved with that back then. I actually had a real (laughs) job. What, uh,
2: you know,
0: so, all right, so dad, going back to you real quick, before we get to our main topic today, give us your take. I mean, you know, you've been through the 87 crash, dot com boom. I mean, you've seen a few boom and busts and recoveries and all all the like. So, I mean, what, what's been your take thus far and and what you've been seeing in the markets?
2: You know, the good stocks are still good. The bad ones are still bad. You got to pick your spots, man. You know, that's what it is.
1: (laughs) Were you picking today?
2: Uh, today, I was literally a, avoiding looking at the screen. It was, uh, I, 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 I don't know what shade of red everything I had was, but. <laughs>
1: you, you missed, you missed the, uh, the gain, the biggest gain I've seen in forever. 3,000% today, SPI. Nice. It went from $3-ish to something like $40-ish. Ridiculous. So the market is crazy.
2: Well, volatility is, you know, I mean, if if you, you know, I I was in anticipation of this panel. I was, I was trying to figure out if I belong because (laughs) my, my tendency is to trade, right? And he's got so many interesting, smart, much smarter than me value investors that I, I didn't want to put myself out the pasture too fast, but if, but I did want to, you know, noticeably look at a market like today and there's obviously tons of ways to make money. Yeah.
0: Hey, real quick, Kevin, just to make mention of SPI. Oh my, I don't know how I missed this today. Oh my gosh. Just a EV, right? <laughs> EV and then uh 3000%. Well, go figure, right?
1: Well, the, what happened was if your name had power in it today, if, literally if the name of the company had power in it, it was absolutely pushed up. Polar Power, a few others. It was crazy. I mean,
0: I mean, on a day that the markets in general are down 2.37% nah. or yeah. about 2%. SBI goes up
1: 3,000%. I mean, wow, could have made you I, a year. Yeah, could have made your career. Correct. <laughs> yeah. All right. So well, we, have, we have a topic today though, right? Rather than bullshitting.
0: I, I've kind, I kind of, uh, you want to keep bullshit? I mean, come on,
1: you know, Kevin, this is what we do. We either do a topic or
0: bullshit. We sometimes do both, but here, let's get to that topic. Fine. Today's topic sent in by, on Twitter, and I believe it was sent by at Tross Claire. I will fix that in a minute, but the topic today is what truly defines good management and how to spot these characteristics and where it can be translated on the P&L and balance sheet. Okay. It's a big topic. There's a lot that we can cover here, especially in microcaps, because it's very much management driven. But I, let, I'm going to go to you, Kevin, first. You know, for you, let's get everybody's individual definitions of what good management is first. So,
1: Kevin, you want to you want to start us off there? Good management is very difficult to define because it's it's so broad. You know, it has to do with experiences. It has to do with characteristics of the individual. It has to deal with you know controlling emotions it has so much to do with uh, so many different things and i think that uh, what came to my mind is that there's the, the the quality of the management individuals themselves um i think has a significant impact upon the capacity for being able to g- generate a good business you know it's just not the business i mean there's so much to be defined, and I think we have an hour. I'm sure we could talk about it for two hours. But uh, as I said, I think that good management goes all over the place. And um, I think we know what poor management is. might be easier to define, <clears throat> you Know what not to do. All right, Kevin, um, what, shouldn't, what shouldn't they do? They shouldn't be overpromotional. You know, that's number one. <clears throat> they shouldn't be bouncing off the wall from here to there Trying to get together, you know, a, a business plan that ranges <clears throat> ranges too far. <clears throat> my my general take, I mean, if, once I get involved with something, is it's uh, to me it's focus, focus, focus. If you don't focus, you're going to screw it all up, and that's where I believe um, the first point has to be made. How are you going to focus? And the other one is the focus is going to be an execution. Uh, in my opinion, if you execute well everything else will follow. Um, Don't look, don't be looking at the, at the, at the share price. Don't be looking over your shoulder, you know, put your nose to the grindstone, you know, every once in a while, pick it up, you know, maybe every quarter, see what your price is, see what the share price is. But really the, the goal simply is, is to focus, 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 and do it on execution, sell, you know, generate revenue. I mean, get a good product that sells, and uh have at it i mean you know half the problem with good management bad management is you come up with a crappy product and if you have a crappy product but you have good management you're still not going to succeed quite well i mean so I you mean, know, is good management producing good products is it producing good staff does it produce a good culture does it produce any number of different things that the one leans on when you're trying to uh build something uh, again it's uh, think we've had these conversations in the past on this on this session where quality uh, I think uh, has a bit to do with it because and again it goes on and on and on and on we can talk forever let's let's hope so you know we got an hour to fill here
0: so um (laughs) Adrian uh, let me throw to you you know I've interviewed you many times in the past you've come on here um you know you're One of your main expertise is looking at junior mining stocks and the mining industry itself. You know, speaking specifically to that industry, you know, what are some of the characteristics of good and bad management there? Because is it anything different than what Kevin just said? You know, speaking more from a generalist perspective?
3: Well, a couple of things. First of all, uh, you know, I think Kevin made just absolutely excellent points. There's one thing I'll disagree with him on, which we'll come to in a second, and that is good management with a crappy product. We'll come to that in a second. But I, uh, other than that, I mean, I agree with absolutely everything he said and not only agree, he really hit the nail on the head. He hit the main points. May I just step back a second, Robert, because the question, the topic that was raised actually begs the question whether good management is important it makes that assumption and i would like to just really emphasize to people particularly with microcaps, but frankly with any company to me management is the very first thing i look at all the time now warren buffett said something famous and i can't quite quote him and by the way thank you for inviting me on to fill a gap at the last minute but i'm I'm not prepared with all my exact quotes and so on, but Buffett said something about, he likes to invest in companies that are so simple with such a wide moat, but even an idiot couldn't screw it up because sooner or later an idiot will run the company. Something like that. Somebody probably knows the quote. (laughs) Um, Yes, yes, but but no. (laughs) To me, um, management, is where I start with any company, even big ones. We'll get to the microcaps, but even big ones. I mean, obviously Apple, Tesla. I mean, you only have to look at what happened when Steve Jobs ran, stepped away from Apple, and then when he stepped back. Management is absolutely key. But even with non, what we'll call innovative companies like, uh, you know, Tesla and, and Apple, where obviously a visionary is important. Look at Nestle, for example. Look what happened to Nestle when they changed management a few years ago. Um, I forget his name, Mark, someone Schneider, I think. Uh, don't quote me. Yeah, Schneider, Mark Schneider. Um, you know, a, a, one person can fundamentally change. It takes longer, of course, just as it takes longer to turn a tanker around than it takes to turn a uh, you know a, a weekend uh, motorboat around, but. Uh, One man can make a difference, even to a large established company like Nestle. Or on the other hand, look at HSBC, which went the other direction with management, in my view. HSBC, for 170 years, picked top management CEOs who had had their entire career at HSBC. And in some famous cases, they started in the mailroom or the stockroom and worked their way up. And the key to that is those people were imbued with the culture of the company. The culture mm-hmm. of the company mm-hmm. was not going to change because the people had been there all their lives and were surrounded by people at the top who had been there all their lives. HSBC, what, a decade, more than a decade ago now probably, you know, decided to drink the Kool-Aid and look for Wall Street and. Um, you know, investment bankers and so on, and the culture changed, the management changed, the company changed. So, you know, to me it matters. People matter, even at big, even at huge companies, they matter. Now, the smaller the company, typically, the more important, the more critical management is i will never invest in a junior mining company or in fact in any mining company because they're all small right <laughs> um without knowing management and um by knowing management i mean you know with it, if it's barrack i'm lucky enough to have lunch with the guy but if it's a smaller company i will have dinner and i will have drinks and i will go out you know, to a nightclub or whatever it is, uh, you know, drinking. I'll go on a trip with the guy. I'll get to know the person. To me, that is critical because everyone can BS what they do, right, and what they think. But when you're around a person, you actually see how they are. I'm not a geologist, but I go on a lot of field trips to look at mines or properties. The reason I go on field trips, I always ask who's going to be leading a tour. And if it's a CEO or a couple of top people from the company, I will go, and I don't go to pick up rocks and look at them through my magnifying glass because I don't have the training for that. I go to watch and observe the people. Um, How does management treat people? If you're running a mining site, you might be the most sophisticated person out there, but you need to know how to interact with what we'll call ordinary people. And if I go out to dinner with someone and they treat the wait staff in a rude manner and they're obnoxious to the front person, the front desk, the hostess, because they have to wait five minutes, that's a reflection on character. And you can bet your bottom dollar, but when you go down to the middle of Mexico with that person, they are not treated with respect and love by the ordinary people. Conversely, you see sometimes people go down and the miners will stop. The cooks, the women who cook the food will all come out and they'll greet the guy and they'll hug him pre-COVID. You know, they'll hug the guy and kiss him and they're happy to see him. And and that's important because I don't mean a happy campsite is makes for a good company. It's important that people you know enjoy where they work, give you their best, etc. And I, I, just one more thing before you know um, the way people treat money. You know, if a junior company goes out and raises you know one and a half million dollars or something and then invites 25 people to a private room in the most expensive restaurant in San Francisco and orders a thousand dollar bottle of wine, I'm thinking, is that what they think about shareholders' money? Because shareholders sure as heck didn't give them money to spend on bottles of wine. So those sort of things to me, just being around management, those sort of things can tell you an awful lot about the way a person interacts with people, the way a person thinks about money, et cetera. I'll leave it at that, but I've got lots more to say <clears throat> later.
0: Absolutely. No, and and we'll definitely have a lot more to follow up there. So, you know, Shelly, going to you, I mean, with your experience, you know, as a broker and then eventually as an investment banker, you were underwrote over 300 stocks, you know, I mean, has the nature of management from your day when you were you were underwriting all these companies, Has that changed even today? Or are some of these characteristics still things that you look for even from those experiences?
2: Since Wall Street, I I, I looked at a Wall Street brokerage firm like it was a bus stop. There was another bus coming in every five minutes, which in terms of, you know, color, companies would come in wanting to meet us because we financed companies. So I had to quickly figure out how to judge one CEO from another. And the first three things that I used as my guide was in in judging the CEO or the person in charge that was running it was three things, their vision, their passion and their capability. And everything having to do with the questions that I asked about the company had to do with those three topics. I could always turn it over to a a, a a numbers guy or a guy that specialized in due diligence, background checks, all of that. But if the CEO or person in charge didn't have passion, they didn't check that box. If they didn't have vision, you know, why are they in this business? What was their, you know, what what was their calling? What you know, like for instance, in a biotech company and they're and they're you know trying to create a molecule to treat cancer, well somebody in their family probably you know died from it or or friends or someone, and it drove them to go in every day to 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 work on it i mean that 's a tireless function, and then capability you know you have to start looking at their background uh education uh experience so we're talking about the horse and the jockey in reality. So I I focused on the jockey, like, like you guys focus on management. And a lot of times you could find a B quality company and an A quality management team, and you can make some money. I mean, that's what it's all about. But, you know, I've seen all shapes and sizes, genders, you know, backgrounds, et cetera. And, you know, You know how you know, (laughs) you just know that someone has that vision, you know? So tell me, where do you see the company in five years? They're prepared. They're not thinking, this is what we want to do. This is how we're going to get there. You give me a roadmap and a blueprint and not tell me what your exit strategy is in the first meeting. You got, you check the box. Now capability, you got to dig a little deeper, you know? If, if, a, if a guy never took a business course uh, in college and his father was a CPA, that's not exactly a guy that's gonna necessarily understand the, the, the need to, how to treat money. And first of all, how to count it, let alone how to raise it. So my feelings about this was, if you're going to put this person that's in charge in front of money, are they going to fail? Are they going to succeed? And are they going to hopefully not be promoting? Stick to the facts, give us your insights, give us your visions. And to me, the rest will fall in place. That, that's been my experience and it still stands for me today. I mean, I think across the board, the main
0: two things, that at least on the good side, or good or bad, this is one of the things really directly answering the question um, where it can then be translated in the p l and on the balance sheet is you want to kind of look at what their incentivization is, right you want to see what kind of ownership that management team or CEO uh, has in the business, and then also looking at their capital allocation strategy, speaking that to what you said about vision same, I mean everybody just talked about that too, you know so in terms of um, Incentives and, and and capital allocation strategy. And I'll throw it to everybody here. What what do you think are some of the things that you like to see and not see, in terms in in that respect, Kevin?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'd jump in there and sit down and say I don't think that's on the top of the head. That's not top of the top of the head type of um, considerations that a management group should have. You know, mm. yeah, you do have to go out and get money, and yeah, you have to go out and do these things. But those are the do thing. That's the do list, the checklist. You got to get this, you got to get the money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think the, the three of us all have these all projected things that are more quality related, that are characteristics of the individual, that are the visions of people. Um, and, and those things seem to be, um, you know, top of the head, when you're looking at good management. Now, if they screw it up, you know, because they don't know how to do something, or they hire a CFO and the CFO sucks, um, then yeah, the guy's not a very good manager because he can't hire the people to execute those things that he may not have the highest skill set in. You know, so again, I mean, a good management team, if you want to look at it from that perspective, has to be has to be a, a few people who are fully aligned with each other. They're not competing with each other for grandiose success or whatever it is that they are, indeed, they are indeed all bought into the same thing. They all share the vision and the vision is, is easily, um, easily projected to others. I think that's the other part about it is, is that, as, as Adrian was saying, as we mentioned, culture um, oftentimes is just as important as, as, as many other things relative to success of a company, or the success of a management team. If you build the right culture, then people will be executing and people will be performing admirably. If they don't know what to do, then they don't. It goes back to what Shelley said, and I, would, I, will, I, will, I will harp a little bit on what Adam Epstein suggests, that if the, if the CEO, this type of CEO, and then by default, when you have a good management team, the CFO and the COO, if they can't tell the story very readily, okay, in a short, very, very short, very simple, very, very simple, um, they will not be a very good management team. You know the idea of being able to project the vision project the passion uh, and doing it in a relatively short period of time will attract investors okay so i mean it's a good management team capable of being able to uh promote their business admirably uh in in a, in a, in a completely aligned fashion that that's that's another part of it is is being able to tell the story of the business i mean it starts at the, again, where do you, what I'm saying, if good management starts up here someplace and goes all the way down to the bottom about day-to-day execution of the to-do list. And that's one of the reasons why I'm saying is, you know, yeah. here, um, how do you define good management? Do you define it by uh, broad characteristics? Do you, do you define it by execution? Do you define it by capability, as, as, as Shelley was saying? It's, it's, it's a bunch of different stuff. The question, the, the question that I have is really quite fascinating. Is, is um, having been through the bunch of capital routine in in, in my past, the so the one question that I have is you look at you look at these guys who haven't even graduated college, okay? There's three of them, three big ones. Okay, four if you want to count the two guys in, in, in Google. None of them graduated college. None of them had any any capability to begin with. They had vision. They had passion. And the finding thing is that the VCs didn't immediately Cut them off at the feet It's like, you can't be a CEO. You didn't even graduate from college, you know. So the thing that interests me in this discussion of good management is how does how do you develop good management? I mean, did did uh, did did, did um, uh, Bill Gates uh, did uh, what's his name, the guy on uh, Facebook, <laughs> and the two guys Zunker, on Google? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And the two guys on Google did they just walk into an office sometimes and say I'm good manager? I mean, they, haven't, they had zero expertise zero capabilities so how did they end up being good management if one would agree that they are indeed good management you know again you don't good i'll go back to what adrian said is is you might have bad management but a really good business and succeed or the other way around you have a you have a, a shitty product with good management that can turn it around <laughs> so that's a, that's a question that i have is is that how do how do you define how do you, how did, how did these bunch of capital guys, and as Shelly has said, walk into the office, how did these guys look at a 20 year old guy and sit down and say, that guy is going to be a great CEO. I mean, that's a, that's a stretch.
0: Hey, as a 31 year old CEO, I look at myself in the mirror every day asking that damn question. Like how does anybody possibly think I could be a good CEO? Yeah. You know, but, but I mean, but dad, Adrian, I mean, this is a great question posed by Kevin. You know, what do you guys think?
2: Well, I, I, I want to add one thing. It's like um, you know you, you how many times have you seen a guy or a woman step from a Fortune 500 company into a position of management in a microcap company? and you, you know and, and, and it, it's like, it's like Congress, you know there's one side and the other side. There's two opinions because everybody's entitled to have one. at the end of the day the guy's gone to the best universities or woman has gone to the best through the best channels and they come into the microcap company and they want a $350,000 to $500,000 salary to start they want access to a private plane they want their pension fund in place they want to work they want a month vacation and and meanwhile Investors are going, wait, we just got this person from a Fortune 500 company. Oh, my goodness. Well, culture and the culture of bringing someone from a Fortune 500 company, you know, let's say from a a large pharmaceutical company where they did very well, incredible earnings, pension and all. And now they're going into a small biotech company. It's like you, you you want to see it you know, a, a fish out of a bowl, there you go. How many times have we seen it? And I question a lot of that. I, I get anxiety when I when I speak to someone that's so over, over, you know, qualified to be in a biotech company. And then I want to know where's the guy that originated the idea, the guy that was in the laboratory, the guy that was putting the stuff in the test tubes. Where's that guy? What happened to him? And, you know, or her or her. Where where is that person? Where where is that person? And they've been either put back in the lab or out of the company. And you know, it happens across the board. And I've seen it a lot. And and that's I mean, dead a red flag. How many times have we done interviews with some of
0: these biotech CEOs and microcap companies, and we asked them their background? And you're like, oh my god! And then out off camera, they look at us and they're like, yeah, I have no idea what I got myself into. Um, That's you know, right. going to a thousand conferences a year and you know, well, dealing with shareholders. What all they really care about is, you know, just doing the work. Right. I mean they spread across the board, but and I they're mean, usually older in
2: biotech and they've gone through the, the battles and the wars, and they think that it's gonna be an easy ride in a smaller company, number one. And then what really we need to talk about is the alignment of vested interest in management with shareholders, right? So, you know, I, I've looked at a lot of companies and either they have, you know, too many shares or they have too few shares. And, you know, it's a complicated, you know, uh, uh, appreciation of how much insiders that are running the company should own. So they're aligned with us, right, as, as investors. And, you know, I just want to bring that up and see what, what the rest of the crew says.
0: I mean, I would even take Kevin, you know, not to get back to Kevin's question, but I would even take it a step further where, and it, and it, it hits on some of the stuff that, that you said and Adrian said earlier, is not just your 20 year old new CEO with a great idea looking at VC money, but even taking some executives that have no public company experience whatsoever that are coming in and now running, not just a public company, but coming into microcap land, you know, like that is a whole other beast.
1: Altogether, you know, so Kevin, Adrian, you know, this will be quite short, but there's, there's a ton of people who are starting up, you know, uh, early companies, microcap companies. They have no experience as a CEO, they may have vast experience in, a, in another company, a, a large company. And the question is, does that translate? Um, so, they, I mean, really, it's a, it's a translation issue. Is it's your dad said it? I should say, Shelly said it. Um, but when you bring in no, he goes has,
0: by he, he goes by bobby's father now okay this is bobby's dad sure okay.
1: okay okay let's just make sure that's clear but, but again when you when you you are dealing with this whole thing of you, you know good management are we talking about micro cap companies are we talking about mid cap companies are we talking about big ass companies i mean said adrian said earlier you know the apple apple found themselves in a the fiasco when they brought in whatever the, hell the guy's name was i forget um, I'm also familiar with another company, it was Apollo Computer way back when, where they had the visionary, they, they went and they got a guy from GE, and as soon as they brought the guy from GE, and the company went right down the chitter. Um, so there's quite a bit of stuff there, but again, it, you know, and, and I'm familiar with this large um, uh, automobile company in, in Detroit, um, and they keep changing their management all the time, and they keep Sometimes they go to a person who actually understands cars. Then they go to a marketing guy. Then they go to a finance guy. They don't know where the hell they're going. Okay, they just keep turning over their CEOs. You no, know, that's that's ineffective. You know, but that's the way it works. Again, go back to what? Go back to um, to uh, to Gates. They never turned over the CEO. Again, so how do you? I mean, how? I mean, Shelley may have a you know an observation of this thing, but how do you know? I mean, how do how how does how do the venture capital companies choose and pick and choose? they oftentimes says yeah that 's a great idea, but you 're you 're you're going to be you 're not, you're not going to be in charge we 're going to get this guy in charge um he 's already run three or four companies and he 's done it effectively and so we 're going to put him in charge of the CEO and you 're going to be chief fill in the blank okay so uh, again is it these these questions at microcap level okay you know, it you know you, you 're trying to go through these these um, characteristics and then you know check them all off and maybe you add them all up and you end up 97. you know some you figure out some number you think about some scary some some scoring capacity so again it's it's really it's a it's a a fascinating thing because some of the guys with the great guys and gals with the greatest um vision and still fail okay so then the question becomes is that guy should have succeeded but that that person failed so now you can go back and test your theory against you know what's good management and do our characteristics that we have written down on a piece of paper, do they actually mean anything? I mean, can can you take an academic perspective and go through these things and, and, and fill in the blanks and, and get to a point where you say, that person has the best chance of being successful, even though. I mean, you think about it with like sports teams, right? You
0: know, we always ask the question of, uh, hey, your favorite team, you know, we talk about this all the time, like could have Bel- Belichick system been good for, uh, you know, who's uh, for Ryan Leaf. Oh, wow. That was a deep cut right there for anybody. who. Uh,
1: oh, he, 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 he flamed fast, didn't he? He didn't did he become, a, <laughs> he become a thief. Didn't he do something really yeah, bad?
0: He had, yeah. He had some issues. I think he was a drug addict too, oh, but yeah. uh,
1: you know, okay. So, you know,
0: a uh, uh, Ryan Leaf for, you know, any of these other, you know, any of these other quarterbacks or, or use any other sports analogy. I mean, that that's one of the things we keep going back and forth here is that, you know, you take a plus management, you put them in a, CBC C company, like, does that still succeed? You know, it can and cannot, but I mean, this is what we keep going well, Another around.
3: sports analogy I mean, you can have a great batsman who might also be a great bowler. Maybe he's got the wickedest googly in the world, but oh, you're I to- don't
0: even know what sport this is. What sport is this? To- <laughs> is,
3: this cr- is this? Cricket, come on. Is this cricket? Okay. Um, but it may not make a good captain. Um, But you know, it's interesting. I mentioned earlier that I'm not a geologist. I think judging people is a skill. It's a soft skill, but it's a skill just like being a geologist or just like a lot of other skills. And some people in life, we know this, people, and if they're honest with themselves, people know it themselves. Some people are just not good judges of character. You know, how on earth could I have gone out with that guy? You know, didn't I see it? Or what on earth made me give money, lend money to that guy? I should have known I was never getting it back. Some people just are not good judges of character, and some people are good judges of character. So one of, the, one of my sort of pet, pet themes, if you like, in investing is know yourself. Know what you're good at, and focus on what you're good at and where you have an advantage, and you know be very very cautious on things like judging people maybe, or you know looking at geology reports maybe. But be very cautious or ask other people's opinion on things you're not good at. But you know someone asked. I think you asked a question or was it Kevin? I can't remember. But you know when when someone walks in the room. Believe me, if you had been sitting there before anyone had heard of Steve Jobs and he'd just come back from India or was it jail? Which one was he in first? Jail or India? I can't remember. But he'd just come back and he started talking to you about his vision for Apple, I think you would have been excited. There's a famous mining entrepreneur called Robert Friedland. I remember meeting and he actually traveled India with Steve Jobs. Interesting story. Well, no, they, picked, they, they were picking apples in an orchard together. Uh, interesting story. But um, uh, uh, I want to hear that story. Meeting Friedland when he was just starting out on Galactic, which turned out to be an environmental disaster, but that's a different story. But you met the guy and you said, wow, wow, I must invest with this guy. And it, it, there was just something about him and something was the vision, the dedication. I mean, someone who's a CEO of a microcap has to be dedicated. The idea of saying, I'm a CEO of a microcap, but, um, you know, I'm going to Italy next month instead of the main mining conference of the year. I mean, this is, this is BS. You've got to be dedicated. You've got to be taking phone calls all night and all weekend. It's got to be your passion and you've got to, as we've already already said so there's a wonderful saying about um uh, 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 uh bob friedland which is that every time bob friedland opens his mouth the um uh hand to wallet reflex gets automatically automatically instigated because you just want to give him money whatever he's doing next you want to give him money because you want to back um, and, and I can remember meeting a few people very early on in their careers, where I just said, oh yeah, this guy's got it. He's got, he's got as good a chance of success as anyone. And let me just circle back if I may. I said there was one thing Kevin said I disagreed with, and that is certainly in a mining business. You know, in a mining, in exploration, just like in biotech, I guess, but in exploration, most exploration projects are going to fail, right? Most are going to fail. So it's not a matter of finding a good project and succeeding. It's a matter of trying it and trying it and trying it. And so I always say in the exploration business, I will take a good management with a lousy project and no cash over bad management with a great project and lots of money because they will waste the money and they will screw up the project, if you're part of my French, somehow. Whereas a good manager will fail and try again and fail and try again. And I can think of many companies, some of my best wins in the mining business, I don't know if I'm, the SEC doesn't like you talking about wins, so I won't mention names, but I'll just say some of them, you had to wait for 10 or 12 years. Until you know, thirty-five cents, fifty cents, thirty-five cents, dollar, twenty cents, and then suddenly they succeeded, dollar, two dollars, five dollars, twenty dollars, and you just have to be patient. But eventually, good people will succeed. So I think
0: one one question I keep having in my mind, especially when I think of the topic that we're talking about today. And I was speaking really to our audience. That is, I'd say more or less a, a retail focused audience. And and I'll caveat with this, you know, in, in the small micro nano cap space, you know, access to manage one of the advantages we have is that access to management while not available all the time is more available than let's say small cap and beyond. I think we can all agree there. So th- there is that, but let's take, for instance, there's retail investors that were just like, you know, I know what I like, but I would just rather not deal with, you know, I don't, I, or I don't feel comfortable talking with management and, you know, I want to figure out a way in which to assess management without ever having to talk to them in some respect or asking a live question or something like that. You know, I want to just be able to assess it. So what are some things that investors who would prefer not to speak directly to management can look for nowadays to, as, as, as benchmarks of like, okay, that, that looks interesting. That, that's actually a good thing or, and then conversely, also a bad thing. I open it to the floor. Shelly, you're first.
2: Well, in actuality, it may be self-serving, but, um, there's more and more, uh, video interviews of CEOs out there and available, uh, for them to literally, uh, see how the CEO or the, you know, C-level management answers these questions. Now, getting back to Adrian, he said something that was, you know, boom, 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 bells and all whistles. And that is that experience of visiting with with management. And, you know, it's great to be able to go on the road with them or meet them for a meal, but a lot of times you don't have that luxury. And, you know, you still, you know, you may have a five minute interview, you may have a a half an hour one-on-one, you know, and this this is on your point, you know, so what do you really ask <clears throat> to management when you're in a meeting? Well, <laughs> you know, sometimes I might ask, so, you know, are you a family person? You know, do you have kids? You know, how do you, you know, how, where do you live? You know, what, you know, how do you spend your recreational time? Do you like to travel? And you you know, you get a sensibility about, You know, someone's thoughts on education, on investing, on how they see the future and where they would invest in with their own money. And sometimes you don't even end up talking about their own particular company and, you know, you get around to it towards the tail end, but you're now visiting with a person. And, you know, I've come away from some of these meetings where I actually like them. And on point, does that mean we should only do business with people we like and people we understand? Or, you know, where does that kind of barrier to entry enter into it? But but my thinking is, you you li- if you have an opportunity to speak to management, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to focus, now, what are you going to do in the fourth quarter and, You know, are you introducing any new products? And, uh, you know, uh, are you planning on trying to exercise your warrants? You know, sometimes it's just, that's a question that everybody in the world asks the same person. Come up with something new that really has to do with the personalized, you know, engagement. And you learn so much more about that person. That's really on Adrian's point. I'll
1: go back to your question, Bobby. Um, I think you've asked the question is what else, what can a retail investor review? That's not going to be, uh, evident from being a one-on-one. If you, if I understood you correct correctly, that this guy is afraid of a one-on-ones. He doesn't look yes. at it. He, he he's looking at a, he's looking at the quantitative. He's the quantity. or issue. Yes. The person I'm just I, no, come on. Um, so the, the thing that I you know, sure, ultimately, yeah. what it comes down to mm-hmm. is, is that if you get, if you, if you have the vision, the passion, the product, the management, it's going to end up in sales. Okay, that's the only gauge that you that you can use that basically tells you whether or not that good management with the good product is being successful. So if you are doing that, you're going to have to wait. I mean, you can't. You're not going to be one of the first and early persons in buying a company on spec. I mean, you're going to be you're going to be on the other side of crossing the chasm. You're going to be watching the sales. You're going to be watching the sales ramp. And to see whether or not it's 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 um, consistent. So you know what do you look for? You look for maybe six quarters of um, of consistent growth. Um, that might be the simplest thing of being able to determine whether or not um, the company is worthy. I mean, it's kind of interesting to me because you know I'm a technical analyst type guy too. And the thing about it is, is that you can you can define you can actually see through the share price movement what the investors are thinking about what. They're thinking about the company and so it's kind of like the that's the that's the tail end of the dog you know so it's quite fascinating but um i, I think that that's probably the, the thing that if you don't want to be interviewing a candidate uh ceo you don't want to be talking to people on one-on-ones which we've just discussed at length here we all agree that that's that's a that's an ideal thing to um, to use as a as a as a means of being able to determine whether you want to get right. in um so i mean i mean ultimately what is it? it comes down to sales and, and it's Reminds. not even, it's not even share price because share price is, is completely dependent upon the markets and the fluctuations in the market. Then the company could be doing very, very well. And they just get they just got a, you know, a shitty share price.
3: Right.
0: I guess yep, obviously- Couldn't agree more. Sorry, sorry. sorry. No. I was just saying, I agree.
3: Yeah, I, I it obviously depends on the, on the um, stage that the company's at obviously, you know, if you're looking at uh, exploration companies, you're typically looking at companies that don't have discoveries yet, so you forget about sales, (laughs) forget about earnings, Um, and so you know you can't look at those things. But I mean there's a lot of things you can do. One is um, or or it could be you don't think you're a good judge of character, right? You recognize you're not good at judging character. You you listen to a pitch and you're always taken by a pitch. So talk to other people in the business and ask them, you know, when you go to a mining show, you know, Rick Rolls standing at his booth, For gosh sake, go and ask him for question. You know, do you know that guy? Does he have a good reputation? Talk to me, you know, if you can find me and and so on. Um, You know, ask people what they think, what the reputation is. That's one thing you can do. Um, You know, one of the things that we, has come up a couple of times, but we haven't really emphasized a lot. And that is, what are the things that we don't like about management? And I, th- I think you've asked us that, Robert, but that's a, well, Bobby, um, that's a, you both. know, that's <laughs> Both work. Both, good. both, okay.
0: Yeah.
3: You know, that's a good, a good question. Um, I'll just say a couple of things right off the bat and other people may add. One, Kevin, I think, mentioned it right in the very introduction. I want with a with a junior company, I want the CEO, the management, to be focused on the business, not on the stock. Now, of course, if you have to raise more money, you want a higher stock price in order to raise money less dilutively. But when I talk to a when I talk to a, a, a new company and all they're doing is complaining about their stock price being so low or you know, telling me all their plans for moving the stock price up. That does not impress me at all. The other thing that doesn't impress me, frankly, is when I talk to someone I don't really know well. And they spend their entire pitch knocking competitors. Mm -hmm. Now, if I know someone very well, I'll pick up the phone and I'll say, hey, you know, hope you don't mind me asking you. But there's a a company with a project, you know, 10 miles away from your project in Quebec. Do you know the guy? What can you tell me? And as a friend, he'll tell me. But I don't like a new CEO, someone I don't know, whose pitch as to why you should buy this royalty company is because all the other royalty companies are doing it. Don't like that at all.
1: I would, I would agree. That's the one thing that I mentioned that, that again, and you mentioned it also Adrian is that it's easier to define bad management than it is to define good management in a fashion. And it's really quite funny. I think you mentioned it, Adrian is that, uh, you know, the, the this, this is, this, there's a blowhard uh CEO who thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread, who was working for a big ass company. And now he wants $500,000 of a, of a, of a salary. Number one, it's like, no, there's a few more things that are easy, easy to define. Uh, co- current company that I have watched, um, you look at the, you look at it, you immediately sense something where you, when the CEO's daughter, who was a lawyer, is put in charge as being the COO, that was like no. I mean, right there, and, and not only did that, that continued where exactly what happened is that this company. Through its, uh, through its PR uh, activities. Even in, the, even in the written part of their PR, there was bitching and moaning about they did this and yada, 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 we can't, it was ridiculous. Um, I'm not even gonna mention the name because it's too, it's too silly. Um, but it's, it's, it's sometimes very, very easy to describe bad management. Similarly, it's really quite funny as I, I tend to be a pretty uh, direct guy when I'm on one-on-ones you know and one of the at one point in time i i asked the ceo tell me why you are the ceo and he couldn't I love that question yeah i mean that was i'll tell you who it was after the after the whole thing was over um <laughs> and, the, and the guy was brilliant but he sucked as a ceo um and i asked those questions i mean why are you the ceo please tell me and if they go if they stumble at all then you sit down and you go oh my god this guy's in trouble so there are some things that I think uh, when you push and shove on, on at one on ones, you really want to, you really want to, uh, if you don't know the guy or person, um, ask them the hard questions. Hey, hey, Kevin, what's a good answer to that question? That's a hard question. It's a very hard question. It's the answer is why are you the CEO is because I'm, it's going to end up being I'm the smartest guy in the room. Okay, and I had the best idea, and I'm, I'm implementing it right now. Okay, this guy had this guy had a company; it was already sixty people, and you still couldn't figure out what the hell they did. And he was off going and he was still going oh, off that's on academic stuff. trips and such. Yeah. And I said, like no. And then the guy next to him, this was even better. Then the guy next to him, I said, "Are you the CEO?" He says, "No, I'm the, uh, the vice president of sales." I said, "What do you do?" And he just went, blah, the the the." Okay, they, they, were, they were one to talk about their product and all that stuff. So there are, I think, ways of being able to, as Adrian said, you know, you you, know, you might not have to go out to, to dinner with the guy to figure out what's going on. But I like that idea, by the way. Um, but you can be very, very direct and force the guy to answer the person to answer the questions that are oftentimes not asked, okay? There is a danger, I find.
3: Someone said, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I, I was just gonna say, someone mentioned earlier, but there is a little bit of a danger in getting to know management too well, and I, I see it myself. Some some managements I respect. I think they're great, but we don't have a connection. You know, they like rap music, I like opera. They like quarterback things. What do you call them? Football, American football. Quarterback things, yeah.
0: I like Quarterback great.
3: things. So, but I respect them as CEOs. But there are other people, we just have a connection. And that can be dangerous because it's dangerous, I found this myself, I'll I'll admit, it's dangerous to be, to like the management too much because you forgive them too much. Um, And from a personal point of view, it might be appropriate to forgive them. Well, that was understandable, I know why they did it, stupid decision, but I can see it and it failed. But if you're friends with the guy, maybe you forgive too much but I've, I've overcome that, frankly. <laughs> I
1: think but, that's a very good point.
2: Yeah. Working, <clears throat> working, working to meet good management is a juggling act. Um, to a certain extent, you know, I feel comfortable sometimes meeting a management team that's had experience with previous successful exit strategies. You know, you kind of, okay, these people know exactly what they're doing. And I can have a little, it's a little earned in trust because they've been there, done that. And I, and I, I kind of really feel good about that in a large, to a large extent. Also, you know, you have, you know, I, I can be shallow too. Like we, I would ask uh, someone coming into my, my office for money on Wall Street, I would judge them by the clothes they wore. I would judge them whether or not they smoked. I would judge them, (laughs) I would ask questions like, you know, what kind of car do you drive? And I learned that the hard way. I once underwrote a company, handed the guys $6 million. And I found out that the week that they cashed the check and put it in their bank, they went down to Mercedes-Benz and bought three, not least, Bought three brand new Mercedes Benz, and I and I said to myself, "This this has this has to be something I remember for the rest of my life." It's you know you you, you we use our skills at judging people never in a hundred million years that these guys were running to the Mercedes Benz dealership and picking up three cars, and who knows what else they did, but it was indicative of the fact that. They abused it and they weren't really good managers. And there's only two reasons why businesses fail. Number one, undercapitalized. Number two, mismanagement. So if we limit our checklist to passion vision capability and watch out for mismanagement or them being undercapitalized because they ran through money, Those are the things that I conveniently and carefully monitor so as to make sure I'm not supporting bad habits. That's, you know, that, that, that's something that I could add to the conversation.
1: Let me, let me, let me turn the tables on you guys, ask you guys a question. You both have interviewed literally thousands of people. Okay. And either they are, either they are a quick five minute, six minute, eight minute, the little tour of the guy, or gal g- g- again, person. Um, I call everybody guys by the, by the touch. Um, my wife's happy to be called a guy. Uh, but you know, ultimately, and you've done the five minute, the eight minute, 10 minute. You also done longer term sessions in which you've interviewed a guy more at length. Um, so if you can condense everything that you've done over the thousands and thousands of, of uh, interviews can you reflect back upon this thing and sit down and say, my goodness, this person is exceptionally capable. I got to know this in seven or eight minutes. How, how many times have you been able to sit down and say, wow, as I think somebody said it here, think, wow, this guy, like Steve Jobs is brilliant. And you're just and like, Jesus, if I had an extra $2 million, this guy's going to get my money. Um, again, 10,000 people, did you find can, can you sit down and say five of those experiences were like oh my goodness this thing's gonna be great
2: Dad, do you want to go first or to answer your question the answer is absolutely and you know I've literally had my po- my hand in my pocket I was so excited with some of these stories, but I would say that you know i i i can i can can I name companies or or no. no 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 naming companies? But to make a long story short, you're kind of know it when you hear it. You know you 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 know someone can check a lot of boxes in five to six minutes, really. And again, you, you know I, I, I hate to repeat myself, but but I'll manage to do it. It passion, vision, capability. You know I mean someone who loves what they're doing is certainly going to show up every day and do it and enjoy it. And when you're in it to win it and, and you can reflect um, like, you know, why do I love what I do? Because it's so interesting and I meet great people and I have so much fun doing it. I don't want to do anything else. And you, you can sense that. From a CEO that could literally be doing anything else they want to do, but they've chosen this, and it's getting into asking those questions why why do you want to do this what what is what is the what what's what's your driving you know what is it about this that you can't resist coming in every day and enjoying what you do now, some of them will say well, I want to sell my stock and become a rich man you know, or a rich woman, you know? And then other ones will say, well, I really want to cure mankind, humankind. I, you know, you, you get a sensibility. And when the answer doesn't have to be overly sophisticated, as long as it comes from the heart. And, you know, we're really interested when we do an interview. We're not interested in the price of the stock. We're not interested so much in how much money they have in the bank. And, and all of that other stuff. We wanna know the story of the company. What was it that started this? Where is it going? How is it gonna get there? And why are you the person to lead us to that ending? And you know, you get a lot of stuff, you really do.
0: I, I would I would say for me, it's, it's even simpler, you know, cause I, I would definitely say, you know, depending on the industry and I won't name which one, you know, there's definitely, they, they know the talking points that investors want to hear. So even if they give a very succinct clear cut message, you know, I, I, I tend to take that and, and, you know, even if the the person is a, an impressive interview and they know their stuff, they, you know, I sometimes kind of go, okay, they know their talking points. Let me take that a step further. And that's just for one industry. I won't name which one, but I, I'd say most, industries and most sectors with, with management teams that I interview, the ones that are able to succinctly tell their story and answer their questions by packing a lot of information in a very short amount of time. Those are the ones that are the most impressive. Um, and that are also, you can just tell are, are humble. And how they they speak to this? I I, I used an example on uh, the Value Hive podcast where I was interviewed not that long ago by Brandon Baylow, You know where um, I've I've done interviews with management teams where instead of just promoting you know everything they're doing great and how they're you know how much better they are than their competition and all the successes, it's the companies that are willing to be humble and like oh here's here's some things we could be doing better. And there's been a few companies that I've interviewed publicly that we've put out and they've approved it and have said that as much. And those are the ones I'm always like, all right, I, I, at the very least, whether I go and invest right away, I'm definitely going to be following that story because there's, there's that, there's that humility there and understanding like, Hey, this could all go to shit tomorrow, you know, and here's how, (laughs) you know? So for me, that that's something that's probably the number one thing I look for whenever I'm doing an interview. You know anytime a company starts talking about their stock price it's an immediate cut hey you know let's not talk about stock price let's you know let's do let's, you know let's, we don't really care about that um and and really that's 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 really it you know um if a biotech company can explain exactly what they're doing in two sentences or less which is very difficult so for any ceos out there that are listening to this if you can't do that hey no harm, no foul. Like that is a very difficult thing to do, especially in, you know, in the microcat space when it's, you know, very molecular. Uh, And that's probably sounds stupid, but I think, you know what I'm saying? Um, But if you're in the industrials, consumer goods uh, services, you know, you should be able to explain what your business does. Even if you're a conglomerate, you should be able to explain what your company does in one
1: sentence or less. If you
0: can't, that's already a problem.
1: To, I use the phrase to open up um, uh, my conversations with simply this: "Tell me what you do in 25 words or less." There because I'm starting to fall asleep at 26. <laughs> okay, really? I'm telling you. Uh, you know, no, yeah. I will. I will literally. I will literally. If the guy starts going on and droning on, I will literally do this. Just to give him a message, you know.
0: You know, we, we're always very careful as to, you know, when we're putting your one-on-one schedule together, Kevin is, you know, we always prep the company like, look, you know, uh, this is going to be a great one-on-one or
1: you're potentially a, a life-altering, changing one-on-one for you. <laughs> no, I, I, no we, we did one. We did one I'll, later on. This was about uh, Jason after, oh, I had yeah. a, after I had a one-on-one out in one of your shows. <laughs> Classic. <laughs>
0: oh, I love it too much.
1: So, I mean, I think, so I think we're,
0: we're pretty much there. I think we've, I, I, I'd say at the end of the day to, you know, the person, by the way, who sent in this question uh, is at M-I-C-T-R-O-S, at Mictros, at uh, Trostclair. Thank you for sending in this question. You know, I hope we did our best to answer it. Look, at the end of the day, it comes down to that experience, you know, go in and ask some management teams some questions or see what they're saying on their quarterly calls, see what they're doing in interviews that, you know, whether we've done them or or other outfits out there, you know, just do your best to try and get as much info or much content as you can as to what some of these management teams have said publicly and do your best. You know, it's, 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 it's really hard, but I think, if we if i could summarize some things not you know that i think we can all collectively agree or things to look out for is uh high <laughs> if, if a management team is uh, all collecting very higher than uh, industry uh, average salaries look out if uh they have a lower than average uh, ownership in the company might be something to look at you know if they're just the performance isn't there when it should in a, in a, when they have a large addressable TAM also probably something to look at, you know, and then, uh, you know, on the mining side is, you know, hitting, you know, raising capital, especially if they're an exploration company, not bringing in any revenues, you know, raising capital, not at super dilutive measures at the, I mean, quite frankly, um, and also starting to hit some discovery targets or looking at ways in which they're well capitalized through all the various uh, cycles. You know, um, that was a very quick summary of a lot of information. I hope I covered it well enough. So, you know, I think with that, let's get some final takes and where people can go and find more information uh, about you and your businesses or your company. So Adrian, uh, correct anything that I just said and uh, maybe your final take on this topic.
3: Uh, My final take is just what we've been saying all along. Management is really important, or very important, I should say. Um, Vision is important. If the management can't explain their vision, if the management can't explain their business, and if the management doesn't get excited, I remember saying to one person, who was droning on and on and on, as Kevin would say, I remember saying to him, Excuse me, if you're not excited, why should I be?
2: Exactly.
3: Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think all of those points are really important. And thank you for having me.
0: Of course. And Adrian, where can people go and find more information about you?
3: And, uh, uh, www.adrianday.com
0: And, and AdriandayAssetManagement2.com, right?
3: Well, yeah. yeah. Ma- AdriandayAssetManagement.com But that's okay. longer than me. Well, you know,
1: I, I just want to, make Thank of you. course, of course, Kevin, final word. I think the interesting part of this conversation was that almost entirely we directed it toward culture, characteristics, the nature of the individual and things of that type. And we did not get into a lot of conversations about how the, how good management operates and, and, and extracts value from what they have to offer. Um, I think that was pretty fascinating because that's where I, I know I started from. And, and uh, it's even to the point where, as, as, as you know, as I've been on the board of directors and you can actually see this stuff in action. And it's quite fascinating to see, that you really are looking at the individual's personality so much so. Um, and I am, as, as I think we said it before, but I'm an Adam Epstein, um, I don't know, follower. And I love the idea of being able to tell a story very quickly, because if you can't do that, you know, I'm in an elevator. And I walk out of the elevator and say, yeah, "That that that person was boring." You no, know, <laughs> I didn't know what they were talking about. Things of that type. So I think that that's quite the quite the take that I have on this thing. And you know where I can, you know where I sit, you know on on Twitter and everywhere else. I don't care. I don't really. I don't sell anything, so I'm not out there trying to. I don't. I don't you know. That's I why he's a great
0: follow, everybody. He's not trying to sell anything. Just go follow yeah. him. He won't try to yeah, sell you anything. Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, yeah, I mean, one, one quick follow up to that. I mean, uh, at, at the end of the day, like it's just a matter of efficiency, right? Like if you can't if these management teams, can't tell you what they do quickly, you know, what you're like, as a man as a CEO, you really want to sit there for hours on end, trying to explain to somebody that doesn't want to listen to more than five minutes of what you have to say, everything that the business does, I mean, just from an efficiency standpoint, it's, it's silly. Other
1: end of it, the other end of it also is, is that you have to question, if, that, if this person can't tell me readily what they do in a very short period of time, how the heck do they sell when they walk into a corporate office and they start drowning on again, like, oh, God. Now, those people are probably more aware of what it is that they want. But again, I mean, if you can't, if you can't correlate to those to those needs because you're up in some cloud somewhere, Again, it's, it's, it's one of those situations. So you, if you can't explain it to me, how can you explain it to your customers?
0: Some of the best, uh, some of the quote unquote, best pitch people that I've uh, interviewed or spoke with are, uh, you know, claim to be some of the best salespeople ever, you know, and I'm just sitting there like, for sure.
2: You done, you done yet? You know, (laughs) all right, dad, final take, what do you got? So how many times have you been sold in the first five minutes and sat for 25 minutes getting unsold by the same person. You know, it, it's, it just happens. You know, it's, you don't want to be sold. People don't want to be sold. They want to, they want to be, in, in, you know, enticed, but not sold. Uh, the other thing that I was going to say on point is that, you know, we're required to allocate forward-looking statements when a management team says something about the future. You know what's really interesting? You can go and find out if they did that thing that they said they were going to do in the future. You can monitor achievement of milestones. And unbeknownst to some, I actually do check that stuff out. But anyway, I've I've, uh, uh, enjoyed my time on uh, your podcast, Bobby, uh, with the Roundtable and the experts that I know and love. And uh, it's always a pleasure, you know. If you want me, call Bobby. Dad, <laughs> <laughs> we were we were gentle with
0: you, right? We, you this is hey. a you, you had a good you had a good experience, you know. You're not right. about to cut the ponytail off and you know mad to me, right? Okay, you guys good. were very gentle. Thank. you. All right, good. Well, guys, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K Craft, B O B B Y K K R A F T. You can listen to this or, and watch it on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash SNN wire. And I promise an audio only version of this is coming soon. Uh, just work on a couple things in the background to make it look nice or sound nice and all that good stuff. All right. Well, everyone have a
2: great rest of your week and uh, talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bob.